we're back. Just like the five musketeers. Three musketeers, isn't it? It's four if you count D'Artagnan. Well, nobody knows how many there were, really, do they, Pete? I mean, history's a sketchbook. I, you do know that the Three Musketeers is a fiction, right? Written by Alexander Dumas. A lot of people are saying that about the Bible these days. What, that it was written by Alexander Dumas? <laughs> Don't be daft, Steve. It was written by Jesus. Anyway, five sounds much better. I think they missed the trick only having three, because if they'd have five, then two could have died, and they still have three left. Are we there, yeah? Let's do this! <laughs> Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to all to the, uh, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> podcast part three, the part three podcast. I'm Will. That's the one. <laughs> uh, he saw he saw me in a moment of weakness, and he took made a power grab. <laughs> yes, welcome back, everyone, to podcast part three, the part three podcast. He is Will, and I am Sam, and it's great to have you all back. Uh, we are now once again speaking to each other digitally, uh, even though, uh, it's just, it was just too much fun spending time in person, unfortunately, so we had to... <laughs> Yeah, we just went on too many tangents, Sam. It just, it was too, uh, it was too good. It was just too good. <laughs> I felt we went on the, uh, usual number of tangents, uh... <laughs> So yes, this week was Will's pick, and, uh, he decided to do a little bit of a different type of third movie. Uh, this is our first foray into... Uh, thematic trilogies, directorial trilogies. We're doing the third installment in uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, uh, The World's End. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, a Three Flavors Cornetto, I think, is it's basically uh, an ice cream drumstick, but in England they, they call everything the, the wrong thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and in each one they eat one, or they there's a wrapper in in World's End. You see the wrapper. I think I, they eat one in. Not hot not fuzz. gonna lie, it was it, it. They really they were they really it it was tacked on there right at the end. Yeah. Uh, in this one, in an ending that also felt slightly tacked on, if you ask me. But uh, um, yeah, this isn't. I'm I'm gonna let you steer for a lot of this, Will, because I really don't know how I feel about this movie. Because I love Shaun of the Dead and I love Hot Fuzz, and this movie, I want to like it, and I went into it re- like the first time ready to like it, and I went into it this time ready to like it, and I don't know, I I don't dislike it, but I definitely I'm very like. I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling with this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little thornier than the other two, um, and it's got it, its emotional register is very different than the other two. I mean, I think Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, in my mind, I think you could powder those movies and you could snort them and experience pure joy. You know what I mean? I mean, I would. <laughs> I think Shaun of the Dead is. I mean, if it's not the best horror comedy of all time, it's like top five, absolutely easily. Yeah, I mean, and I I put it up there with with Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness as well, and, and and Hot Fuzz is just so much fun from start to finish. Especially if you love action movies, that movie is just yeah pure joy. Um, Seeing those two movies for the first time is two of my absolute best like theater experiences of all time. Yeah, I didn't catch Shaun of the Dead in theaters, so I saw that on video later. But but Hot Fuzz was just such a blast. From again and start to finish, and it was kind of in a run of movies uh, in 2007 that were just fun in the theater. So um, yeah, but this uh, so yeah, World's End has 
it, its emotional register is very different, and it, it's doing something very different than the other two, in that instead of sort of um, aping or or commenting on specific genres, this is kind of its own thing. I mean, it's got like homages to other things, but those other two have uh, rail. You know, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz have the you know action movies and zombie movies as their rails. This is kind of its own beast, which makes it a little unwieldy, I think. And I think part of it is that the the metaphors, they don't exactly work totally together. And it's not like they're at odds. They just don't, they don't mesh as well. Um, and I think that's kind of partly by, by design. And that's why it makes the movie sort of thorny to sort of tackle. Because on the one hand, you have the, the, the obvious part is the, the meta, the, looking at uh, old towns becoming ubiquitous with chain restaurants and what they call in the movie Starbucking. And then you have the other part of the movie, which is all about Simon Pegg's uh, depression slash substance abuse problems, Um, specifically alcoholism, which is obviously a big part of this movie. So it's, and those two things don't metaphorically work together as like they don't mesh like there's no there's no connection to between the two um and so it's uh, except when you get to the end which is everyone's trying to gary's trying to find help and it feels like the only way to get him help is to end the world yeah it definitely feels like two films two different stories kind of competing for center stage and I have to wonder if that's Edgar Wright was trying coming at it from one direction and Simon Pegg was coming at it from another because it definitely they 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 kind of keep bumping into each other. It's the alien body snatchers angle really comes out of nowhere at about the half hour mark in a way that in like Shaun of the Dead they do such a good job of just the zombie stuffs happening in the background. Right. And the characters are kind of oblivious to it, to increasingly, com- for to like increasingly comedic effect. And I don't know this movie when it had its like dramatic slash action turn. The first thirty minutes hadn't been funny enough to me to like kind of earn that. Mm. It, there's so much happening all at the same time, and like it feels like it's the classic third movie in a trilogy that's a little <laughs> too overstuffed with ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's true on one level. I mean, I think I think the movie worked a little better for works a little better for me than it does for you. Um, you don't know me, <laughs> but I, I I think the the alien stuff I, I it's not doing the same thing that Shaun of the Dead is doing, and I think like the characters cotton on to the problem really fast, like they get what's going on. What I think is interesting is that Gary refuses to like actually deal with the problem at hand and just keeps wanting to get drunk and keeps wanting a drink and keeps wanting to run away from his problems, keeps wanting to run away from the problems of the end of the world, of like his hometown, which is being subsumed, hometown slash world, which is being subsumed by these creatures. And you know, maybe it does get a little over over its skis uh, at a certain point um, because it, it, it's almost like the 
Peg and and Wright sort of fell in love with the character of Gary King. So the script has him be this outsider to the actual story. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and for all their love for the character, I never really get a sense of him beyond like he likes to party. Well And I, he's you know, to a point of being self destructive and he clearly obviously he he tried to kill himself at some point. But it's like you never you, I don't feel like you ever really get to know these characters as characters beyond they were friends, now they're not, a couple bad, like, they had a big falling out at one point. And at the same time, you don't really get to know the town very well. Like, compare it, com- if it's a town with a sinister secret, like, compare it to how much time you spend getting to know uh, Sanford in, in, uh, Hot Fuzz. in Hot Fuzz. Like, this town feels... I get that it's supposed to feel a little, like, anonymous and distant and alienating, but it's... You never get a sense of what it was to them before. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And I think I think in order to make the, the alien invasion plot work, I think you do need to get a better, a stronger sense of place. Um, and, and it doesn't... The movie doesn't quite get there for it. Um, yeah, oh, it, and I think maybe that's them trying not to repeat a lot of the beats that you from have Hot, in Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. Yeah, but it's like because Hot Fuzz, you have literally like you get to know fifteen or twenty characters, and it's finding out who's in in the conspiracy, who's not. Some of them are getting murdered. Some of them seem like antagonists, but they're not. Like right. Hot Fuzz has so many good supporting characters because you have Timothy Dalton, you've got uh, Jim Broadbent, you've got fucking Olivia Coleman's in that movie. <laughs> you know, it's. I, that movie, like, there's no one in this that just, like, there are, you meet a handful of characters, you meet, uh, 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 Pierce Brosnan and the guy from Game of Thrones, uh, right. but you never, like, no one really pops the way they do, and then, and at the same time, you also are kind of having to balance the six main characters, the five guys and, uh, Rosamund Pike, and right. I feel like, because there's so many of them and none of that... They're like, you could have maybe pared that down. I'm a big proponent of, like, tightening things up. Like, Shaun of the Dead has, like, a core group of about five characters. And really just the only two that are important is, you you know, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And right. you have to follow them. And I think their relationship in this is a little bit lost in the noise of everything else going on in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean... You're not wrong, Sam. I don't. Uh, 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 you're not wrong. I, I I disagree. I think because so much of it is, it, it, I think, really is about just how toxic this, you know, Gary King is, um, and, and and I think Peg is actually really good at playing him as this dude who looks like he just crawled out of a bottle. You know, yeah. Um, no, he, like all the performances are great. Peg's great in this movie. Yeah, uh, and, and it's I, just there's a I, I I never Gary King never pulled me in in a good or bad way the way Nicholas Angel did or the way Sean did you know or the way Scott Pilgrim does yeah. in Scott Pilgrim. Right, and I mean I think that's probably a better analog for him because Scott Pilgrim is kind of a piece of shit too. You know, he's not like a good guy, uh, so to speak. And, and I think that, that, you know, uh, Gary King is, is very much in that mode. I feel like the film really wants you to like him. 
but you're he is like a piece of shit. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's I, I felt like I was spending because I'm I'm always rooting for an Edgar Wright movie to be enjoyable, I was spending a lot of time making narrative leaps for the movie in my head. Like, oh, this guy doesn't have any friends of his own because, of course, because his life's a mess now, so of course he's got to go back to his old friends. But these old friends haven't seen him or talked to him in God knows how long. But, you know, they're like, I don't know. it. He's toxic to them, but he also hasn't been in their lives very much up until now. I, right. Well, I mean... I can't remember when how how long they say that the, it's been since the accident, which is clearly post their senior year yeah. of high school. But um, it is like it's been twenty plus years since high school, right? Like I don't know if this is a story that would have played better if the characters had if it was you know a ten year reunion, right? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's clear, you know, that that the the Peg and and Nick Frost relationship is the big is the big thing there. And I mean, I think the part of the problem is, is you have Nick Frost being so standoffish. So you, you know, he's very closed off up until they sort of have their big moment um, at the end. So it's, you know, you run into that problem where it's like, here's a character who doesn't want to talk about his problems, but you kind of need to know more about him before in order to sort of go on the journey with them. Yeah. I think if they'd given Nick Frost some of the, character traits of like martin freeman or eddie marson's character so that he had a little bit of like warmth or a little bit of like you know he's like uptight as opposed to just standoffish right i think yeah that no, I, that, that would have helped him a bit yeah i think that's I, I think that's true and you know it's uh yeah it's a tricky thing to tone to thread i think and and i think that if you're going into this one expecting the tone of Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead, you're just going to be disappointed because it's just not, it's, it's emotional register is just a lot sadder <laughs> and a lot, a lot more melancholy. You it know. tries for the Shaun of the Dead tone a lot and it doesn't always suit these characters. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like Shaun of the Dead type, like sort of self-referential humor in the beginning, like the, you know, you might make it to the end this time. They say they say we're going to the the, the world's end. We're going to it's like there's so many of that that joke yes. is hit so many times in the first thirty minutes, and yeah. it just doesn't work because you're also dealing with what is like clearly these characters that have experienced a huge falling out and like real trauma. Uh, I like on a certain level, I it either needed to dial it back and be more like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, or needed to push it farther. I feel like it's it's stuck in the middle there somewhere. Yeah, and I think that might be part of the problem with Wright's kind of overactive style anyway. You know, I mean, I haven't seen Last Night in Soho yet or whatever it's called, right? Yeah, so I haven't. Night. I I I did not have I was going to watch it and I I ran out of time. I also have not seen Baby Driver. Yeah, I mean, I think Baby Driver has this problem too where it's just it's like a little too overactive for my tastes. I think at a certain point you're just kind of like bombarded with information, visual and oral and there's like and, and music too. It's like it's all I think it's all um like I think his craft is really strong. It's just it's a lot to take in 
in either one or even two viewings. Um, and I think that can either, I think that's good on some level, but on another level, I think it can be hard, sometimes can be off-putting to get into the story, especially when it's something like this, which is more of an original story, as opposed to um, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which are, you know, more, not a parody per se, but that's, they are very much, it's an action movie and a zombie movie. And you kind of, yeah. and at least at least it gives your brain sort of a, a, a way to sort of sit back and go, I know what's happening even as there's all this visual and, you know, visual and auditory stimulation coming at you, you know? And and I think that's the strength of those two movies that the, is that they put a really good character story in the middle of like a very classic genre like movie. And, and this one, it's like, it's trying to do the character story, but it doesn't, it's, it's not committing fully to it being like, you know, uh, the, this the Gary King story in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. And I mean, and I think I think the problem. Yeah, I think that's that's it. And I think the problem is, is that almost the character story is is too strong um, and is kind of working against the the genre stuff. And it, it, it could honestly be like. You originally Edgar Wright wanted to do this as like his original idea when he came up with this. He was twenty one, and it was just the bunch of buddies go on a pub crawl, right? And then he took that later in life. It's it's it's. I mean, I mean, we all have that like idea that's been kicking around in our heads for <laughs> you know ten, fifteen years, and it changes as we change as you yeah. know writers and people. And this might have been that for them. And it does feel like, and that's the, you know, and that's no different than when you have a screenplay that's in development forever and just keeps getting stories right. pasted on top of it. You saw Battle Angel Alita, same as me, and you could see, <laughs> like, like, like a, like a, like a fine pastry, uh, like just all the layers of screenplay in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and part of that too, at least in, in Battle Angel's uh, case, is that there's so much from, a manga series which has been running for a while and so much of well you know we gotta keep we gotta have motorball we gotta have this we gotta have that we gotta have this in it so it also has that aspect yeah. of it too but well, yes. it's like anytime you're adapting uh adapting a source material you got 10 ideas that you can't adapt you probably are gonna get four of them done right and if you've been in <laughs> development hell for 20 years each script picks a different four out of those <laughs> right. 10 <you> know? <laughs> exactly I don't know why I'm picking on Battle Angel Alita. I I actually enjoyed it, but uh, <laughs> it's it's it you it's I mean that movie was in in the oven for what fifteen years. It's close one of many to pro- something like that. Yeah, one of the many projects that James Cameron just left on a shelf when he committed fully to the the that that Navi life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um... You think, I, uh, think someday we'll get to Avatar 3, or, or uh, you're going to have to wait I, another 13 years after the Avatar 2? I mean, Avatar 2 is coming out this year, so, I mean, there's that. But, uh, oh. uh, man, I am so excited for our tour of duty on Pandora, Sam. I mean, I know that's, like, <sighs> two and a half years away, according to the release schedule. <laughs> yeah, according to the release schedule. How, how many release dates has Avatar 2 had, Will? I think about five, maybe six. I don't know. <laughs> it's not quite the gap of time between return of the jedi and the phantom menace but it's close it's close i mean 13 years that's uh 
uh, what Phantom? It was sixteen, right, between Jedi and and Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's almost uh, yeah, man, that's that's a lot of years. It's <laughs> a lot of years. It's a long time for the highest grossing movie of all time. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that uh, Avatar is so weird, and it, the discourse around Avatar is so weird. And I dearly, dearly love that movie. I just, I know. I, I'm gonna it's, say it's, it now. You, no, you, but. you're allowed to love it. I haven't seen it in a decade. <laughs> but much like this, I, uh, I went into, went into it, not sure what to expect, and I came out of it not sure how to feel. You know. It's... <laughs> Uh, it's just, yeah, this one, World's End is just kind of thorny, I think. It's it's hard to sort of, like, it's hard to parse. And, and the two metaphors, I think, are really just, it's it's tricky. And I think it's, I think it's, it's smarter than the other two in some ways and kind of dumber than the other two in some ways. It, it's certainly more narratively ambitious, yeah. but that's, you know, that's, the problem is because it's trying to, serve the you know a the body snatchers as a metaphor for the starbucking of your small town that you grew up in and the story of like gary king you know like kind of like i I don't even know what the what what ultimately his lesson is what his arc is in this but either way you're missing some like key beats in there to get the audience fully informed in like the first half of the movie yeah i i mean i think you're and i think you're right i think it absolutely seeing the town uh getting to know the town at least getting to know what has been starbucked you know how the pub how the different pubs were different before they became the same um would help a lot we get that flashback monologue at the beginning i honestly think maybe we should have gotten something a little more in depth Spend yeah. a little more time with the characters as as younger as in their younger form, right? And and really get like how even at that age, Gary King was toxic to these this group of folks, like these kids. Yeah. You know, like even at that age, he was getting them into trouble, getting them you know humiliated in one way or another, and and just just a, a, a poison on on their. <laughs> It, yeah, because it's like I don't know. the message at the end. It's like he thinks like they have they like ultimately we learn like he's kind of he's depressed and he's suicidal because they he's got nothing and he thinks all of them have everything. And then Nick Frost sort of counters like our lives aren't perfect. We're not perfect. My my marriage is falling apart. And and like, of course, these aliens are there to sort of bring you make humanity perfect, bring them up to perfection. And I think the problem is that it's not like I wouldn't describe Gary King as imperfect. I describe him as like a, a an unbelievably toxic human being. It's not sh- he's not Sean. He's yeah. not you know like Nicholas Angel who's too uptight. He's he's a mess, and he like nearly got his friend killed. I, he's too extreme to ju- to like like what what's the takeaway I'm supposed to feel about him at the end of the movie? Well, I mean, I think I think there's there's two. Two things. I mean, I think he's, you know, the whole movie is him trying to go backwards to a time when he was, you know, quote unquote happy. Um, and, you know, he's trying to he's trying to relive his his greatest greatest night of his life. And sure, yeah. I, I think the arc is that he comes the, the turn that what he comes to terms with is you can't go back. You have to go forward and the only way for him to go forward and to be a 
better version of himself is to literally end the world. I mean, because at the end, you know, he's tooling around with the other blanks of his crew, you know, the other robots of his crew, and he drinks water. He's not, he's not drinking alcohol. So something's been, you know, he's been, he's been cured on some level, you know. I don't know, that, that's, I mean, I get it. I get where, I get what the movie's, with that, with that part of it, but it really does feel like, uh, I don't know, they, they pay a steep price for not a great deal of reform on his part. <laughs> Right. I, I mean, mean it's like all three all three of the three flavors Cornetto movies are about the lead character fighting against conformity on a certain right. level. Yeah. You know, and what is the price of conformity and you know uh what what's the cost of fighting back against it? And like you know, I'd say Hot Fuzz might be the only one where everything is fully okay at the end. But right. uh yeah. The other two, yeah, it's it it comes at a at a price. I don't know. This one just seemed like you know, I, I was never as there's there's a point in Shaun of the Dead and there's a point in Hot Fuzz where I'm just like, okay, I'm in. They can do just about anything and I am on board. This doesn't yeah. have any as much like the fight scenes in this are great. The yeah. fight in the bathroom, the bar fight, the action is really good, the performances are all great, but there's never a moment that reaches the level of like all of them beating the zombie with the pool cues to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, where I'm like, Oh, okay, this is I'm I you've won me forever right, movie. right this is this like, is something truly special yeah I, yeah I, I, I agree I agree I, and yeah I don't know it's 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 just tough to to come at it it's just not as um those also Sean Sean of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are so well structured and are yeah. like meticulous meticulously structured and it's almost like I think here there you have the 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 pub crawl to sort of as your guardrails it's almost like there are too many pubs they go to it's a lot of pubs for a small town yeah i mean there i think what are there there's 12 pubs something like that and like again and this is one of those things where maybe if i grew up in england it would it might make be more sense but there's <laughs> yeah. there's like i don't I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't, I never got a sense of how big Newton Haven was right. that, you know, like it's, it's bigger than Sanford in Hot Fuzz, but it's smaller than London in Shaun of the <laughs> Dead. But it's like, I, it's, you know, we came from this really boring town, but it also seems to be like a pretty, it's like a city, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's, that's, and I think that's the thing. It's like, you either need to focus up Gary King as a character so that we can really track him. Or you need to fo- you need to way better establish Newton Haven before and Newton Haven in the present as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think if you, I, I think you can kind of solve both problems if you did that. If you, like you said, like you were saying earlier, if uh, if you had basically a big chunk of the movie, the like maybe the first thirty minutes or so were them as young kids, and you really saw how they worked as a as a group and their their group dynamics, and then you kind of jumped to the future. It would make the movie yeah. a lot longer, obviously, but um, but I think that might be necessary well, to cut cut three pubs. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, no, and and to what you said, I think the also the problem is Edgar Wright's style in these movies is so frenetic and so yeah. like the editing is so fast and it you, you information comes at you so quickly that 
you don't really have time to breathe and you're introducing way more characters in this than you did in the prior two movies. Right. And, and again, I mean, I, I just, I think it helps, it helps your brain going back to avatar. I think one of the things about avatar that James Cameron did that was smart is that he made an incredibly simple story that you basically knew what the end was from the jump. Right. But the reason why he did that is because the movie is so, like, visually stimulating that I think had the narrative been more complicated and more complex, I think everyone would have just bounced off the movie, you know? Oh, yeah. I I mean, that's a... Both of these are very curious examples of style-trumping substance a little bit. Yeah. Avatar, at its heart, its biggest flaw is that the story itself is you know, rigidly by the numbers. Well, right. But you're dealing with, like, a visual experience that had never been seen before on film. Uh, so you're kind of, you kind of are okay with that. Sometimes you have to keep something really, you know, really classically structured to make the more inventive parts work. Right. And I mean, I think that's what Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz do really well because Shaun of the Dead also has, you know, aside from being a zombie movie, it's also a romantic comedy. And you know yep. sort of the beats and the shape of that going in. And, you know, with an, with uh, with Hot Fuzz being a buddy cop movie, um, you, you sort of know the story of that and how that's going to work. And so your brain doesn't have to do as much work trying to parse the the more inventive visual stuff you know so i think that's the problem here and and it's my problem with baby driver as well it's just sort of like a bombardment of of like noise almost yeah he edgar wright does kind of live and die by his source material and he's i have again like i haven't seen last night in soho but like i really interested to see where he goes as a director like the like will how will his work evolve the way like Quentin Tarantino's, or or I'd say the closest director to him is Taika Waititi. Yeah. How would like oh, yeah. Taika yeah. Waititi evolve? How how he's evolved as a filmmaker without necessarily losing his you know signature style. And the movie yeah. we haven't talked about is Edgar Wright was also attached to Ant Man for like a decade. It, it, right, and and he you know he was about to start production on that, but then he did this because one of the producers, like a longtime producer of his and friend, was like dying of cancer, and so he came in to finish. He was like, "Well, we got to get this this movie done before that happens." So then he yeah. left Ant Man and then came back, and then Ant Man never happened. But yeah. Well, well, he never did Ant Man. I mean, Ant Man. Yeah, happened. he never did Ant Man. Yeah. yeah, he's and and you know what? Look, the MCU ain't for everybody. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I think I'm kind of glad. I'm glad he didn't get swallowed up by the MCU machine. I mean, I think there are certain directors like James Gunn who can kind of make it work for them, but I, I, I don't know if Edgar Wright could. I, um, you know, I think, and I think part of it is that Ant Man's too was too enmeshed in kind of the larger MCU mishgas in a way that yeah. you know, Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have to be. Right, and they and they kept changing Ant Man uh, during that l- those last couple of years of development because it was it was in the works before the MCU even existed. He was attached to that like before Iron Man came out. Right, it was going to be one of the first five movies, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then I think over time they kept like working in other stuff. And, and if you watch that movie, you can see like their attempts to tie it into the rest of the MCU are like very obviously tacked on. There's some yeah. that's it's it's a, that's another script where you can see all the seams. Yeah. You know, in, yeah. And and yeah, all the layers on top of layers on top of layers. Yeah. 
So I guess as a, a spiritual part three, not a like continuity part three, this actually kind of follows a lot of the trilogies that we've, you know, the part threes that we've been watching. It goes back, it does something where it goes back to the past, has to like, you know, deal with, with past trauma, past problems. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's, it is the, it is certainly, it's your third movie in a trilogy that gets too big and a little too unwieldy. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely like expanding on the ideas that, they touch on in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and it has all the same, like, visual gags and and light motifs. It's you know all of these movies involve pubs and uh, Simon Pegg jumping over fences and someone <laughs> having a dead mother. You know, it, it, those are all things that, like, like that that recur throughout all three of these movies. You know, I was trying to think of other like spiritual sequels like this, and I mean, the the only one I was really kind of coming up coming up with, um, even though it has it, it's kind of part of a continuity, per, so to speak, is Chasing Amy. Yeah, um, Chasing Amy. Uh, the that's, I mean, that's definitely like Kevin Smith trying to tell a more personal, a more mature story. I'm sure we are going to talk about that at some point, and. It's like, that's a movie that's like, it's ahead of its time on certain levels. I'm sure some parts of it have aged like a fine mayonnaise. Uh, it's yeah. like one of those stories where I was like, I'm glad someone told the story, but I don't think Kevin Smith was the guy to do it necessarily. Yeah, I mean, and it's certainly, yeah, I think it's certainly a movie of its time. And yeah. I don't think that movie in that way could be told now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of thematic trilogies from directors, uh, like, uh, Roman Polanski has his Apartments trilogy, which is like Repulsion, The Tenant, Rosemary's Baby, there's, uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, which is, uh, The Thing, uh, Prince of Darkness, and, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, uh, I looked up a, I found an article that listed some others, there's, uh, Vim Vendors had his Road Movie trilogy, and, Terry Gilliam has the Imagination That's Trilogy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is which is what? Time Bandits Brazil and uh Munchausen, is that right? That is that is correct. Yeah. And then uh yeah. like Kozlowski's uh Three Colors trilogy. That of there's, course. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of oh and um oh uh the um uh Chanwook Park's uh, uh uh Vengeance trilogy. Of course. Oh yeah. Sympathy for course. Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and uh Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. <laughs> So yeah, there's a lot of the like directors obviously deal with themes. This was this is you know, and I don't know if they always intend like three of their movies to end up as a trilogy. This was obviously intentional. Right. When this one was coming out, they were like, "This is the conclusion of this type of Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost uh, movie." Movie and a yeah. kind of honorary title of Three Flavors Cornetto. Yeah, I, it's um, it's weird. It's a. Uh, uh, I don't know what else. I mean, it's hard. It's also a comedy. It's kind of hard to like talk about a comedy in a way, you know. Um, I mean, I I think when it works, it's great. I think the cast is great. I think Rosamund Pike is great. I really liked her this time around. I felt like I hadn't. She gotten kind. Of, I felt like there wasn't enough of her the first time I watched it. But she's like she does a really good job with kind of a small part and yeah. Like all of the supporting guys are great. Like Patty Considine's great and Eddie Marson is great. You know, it's. Um, it's like it's fun also like noticing like the 
cast members from Spaced when they pop up. Oh like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like the uh, the drug dealer is the like rave guy from Space. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyus. <laughs> yeah. It's you know it's fun. Like I I like the the tone of these movies. It's just this one for whatever reason, and maybe because it's more ambitious and because it's less of a like uh, less like of a like a feel good movie the way Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are but Shaun of the Dead has some like really heavy emotional stuff in it but it's like I could watch Shaun of the Dead and definitely I could watch Hot Fuzz anytime I think yeah. Shaun of the Dead's the best of the three uh like by a pretty substantial margin in my opinion I think that's true it's just Hot Fuzz is just so so fun Hot Fuzz is just, just so much so fun, fun. <laughs> it's yeah. just like I mean, that's like a movie when I'm in a bad mood. That and and Kung Fu Hustle are like two movies that are guaranteed to cheer me up. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things with this movie is that Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are satires and homages to zombies and action that do zombies and action arguably better than most of yeah. the movies that they're referencing. Whereas this doesn't feel like it's quite as good of an alien invasion movie as a lot of similar types of films when it's like the but like again the fight scenes are the best part they like, are. And they, they had They're um great. one of, like the head of jackie chan's stunt team did the fight choreography for this so like that like the the fire the fight in the bathroom and the fight in the pub where he's just keeps trying to drink a beer are yeah. very jackie chan which yeah. i thought we're great. And it was a lot of fun, and it's just I don't feel like the rest of the movie rises to that energy level for me. One for one reason or another, I really it's hard for me to put a finger on it. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's I mean that's totally fair, and I think you're you're not wrong. I, I think it's it's just I think that emotional register just sort of because it's a lot sadder. It's just you're dealing with guys who are just a lot sadder, whereas like. Nicholas Angel, I mean, Sean's just sort of like a, a lovable kind of slacker guy, like all yeah. of us were in our 20s. Like, it's like he's easy to relate to, especially for guys like you and I, um, you know, and Nicholas Angel is just a, like is the perfect cop who just needs to let loose. And you can kind of like you can get into his vibe. And like these guys are just all like they're just sad. Like, you know, their lives are not like great. They're just they're they're sad yeah and it's like you compare like gary king to like ed from nick frost as ed in Shaun of the dead and like nick frost and as as ed is he's like kind of a guy that's holding sean back right and sean ends up still like defending him on a certain level and in in this i don't know i think maybe it's also because like nick frost playing this type of character comes off more lovable than simon Pegg. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I think I miss the, the, those two characters, their dynamic in this, it's, you know, it's still effective, but it is way less fun and therefore less, I'm less invested in it because I don't, I, I'm, I'm finding neither, I, I'm not finding a way to latch on to either character. Right. I mean, and it's kind of interesting that they did, that they did it this way and it makes sense, but that, that they flipped the, the script basically, you know, you'd think that, Nick Frost would be the Simon Pegg role and Simon Pegg would be in the Nick Frost role, judging by the other two movies, you know? Yeah, uh, well, I, I just don't think, um, I don't think Nick Frost as Gary King would come off as toxic. He'd come right. off far 
too comical. Right. And, and lovable. And you'd, you'd really root for him in, in a yeah. way. And, I th- and, and the movie and doesn't si- really want you to. And Simon Pegg in the Nick Frost part would just be, he'd be too similar to, like, Martin Freeman's character, I think. Yeah. Like, sort of the, the put-upon, you know, doc, Dr. Watson type. <laughs> Jim from The Office. Yeah. Or Tim. Yeah. Sorry, he's Tim from The Office. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll we'll come back around to a couple movies like this, like certainly Chasing Amy, maybe, uh, you know, In the Mouth of Madness, if we want to talk about the or like if we want to just do an episode talking about directorial trilogies. Right. Uh, it, you know, if we want to do a little Kislowski binge at some point, you know, <laughs> Vim, uh, or a Lars von Trier's Depression trilogy. Oh, yeah, that'll be a great time. Yeah. Hey, Will, we watched Melancholia. How do you feel? <laughs> Melancholy. The earth is evil. No one will miss it. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, you know, but it is, it's, it's not my favorite of the, of the three it's not the one I revisit very often, obviously due to the fact that I've watched it twice, once in the theater and once <laughs> yesterday, but uh, it is an interesting movie and you can't, you can't blame them for, you can't say it's a lack of ideas or a right. lack of effort. It's not everyone feeling no. tired. No, everyone's putting their all into this. I just think the movie itself is a little too unfocused and too many things are kind of in conflict with each other. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's admirable, but flawed. Yep. I, yeah, I'd say that's I'd say that's the same for me. I think I like it a little bit more than you, but yeah, I think that's that's where I I come. Well, down I, to. I I appreciate it. I just don't find myself revisiting it very often. Yeah, and I've actually revisited it a lot since it came out. So oh. I, don't, I don't know what that tells you, but <laughs> also it occurs to me: Avatar and this two messy movies about blue aliens. Huh. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, so uh for next week, uh speaking of movies I've revisited a lot, it's going to be Friday the 13th. Like uh and so uh we when we recorded our 13th episode, I noticed that we uh, uh humorously picked Nightmare on Elm Street, the Dream Warriors. <laughs> so not intentionally. Friday, not intentionally. No, no, it was just a, a happy coincidence slash slash boner on our part. Uh <laughs> But, so, for Friday the 13th, 2022, we are watching Friday the 13th, Part 3 in 3D. All right. I've actually never seen it, so this will be fun. You've never seen it? Fun. No, I don't it's, think so. It's um, it's definitely not the best one of those, like, early ones. This is the, the these, this is from, like, the first five before Jason became, like, a full-on zombie <laughs> so like you've got one which obviously uh doesn't have jason in it except at the very end if the mother's the killer this is part this is actually part of a little trilogy this is two three and four take place chrono- chronologically like literally like two leads into three leads into oh. four and four is you know that's the one with uh, uh crispin glover and Corey feldman two is the one where he's got a sack on his head three is right. the one in the middle where Nothing looks quite as good because they shot it in 3D with one of those big 80s 3D cameras, but he gets his hockey mask. It's got some pretty good kills. I I remember this one the first time I ever saw it. It really actually felt creepy to me, and part of that's because I was wor- I worked at a summer camp. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
no, this this will be fun. It's it's got to be eighty five minutes if it's if it's a day. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, it should be a nice little breeze for us. All right. Well, I'm excited. It's not going to challenge us in any way, like the world's end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's, you know, there's a whole franchise of uh, to talk about attached to it, so. Absolutely, and I, uh, as I've said before, I love the Friday the 13th movies, just like I love the Universal Monsters, and as you said about Avatar, you love ambitious 3D genre work, and this is, I'd say, well, uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 walks hand-in-hand with Avatar, uh, it, you know, in, in that, in the realm of just, like, groundbreaking visuals. Excellent. I am yeah. all on board, Sam. They they board. didn't film near a lake. They made their own lake, and it will show. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, yes, Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. Good times on Podcast Part 3. Uh, you can follow us. We're on Instagram at Podcast Part 3 and on Twitter at Podcast Part 3. Uh, like us. Subscribe to us. Follow us. Uh, leave a review, leave a rating. Yeah, any of that stuff. Hey, if you leave a rating, maybe we'll read it on the show. Leave a yeah. review, I mean. Yeah. Leave a, it, we'll... So a great, great rating here. One star <laughs> from, I, I read it. I read the rating. Well, yeah, if from, you leave a review, from, we'll read it. It's a review from my mother. One star. <laughs> Is this the best you can do? You're 36. <laughs> Figure out your your recording equipment. When are you going to give me a grandchild? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> yes, my, our mothers just constantly leave uh, call in with uh, audio audio engineering notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So until next time, will any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's, I think, I think if you are watching Edgar Wright's movies, I think it's worth watching, uh, The World's End, um. Yeah, he doesn't really have, like, a stinker in there that you can no. skip. He's, he, all his movies are very much his movies and very, like, visually exciting, and the stories are always fun, the action's always good, the music's always the music's great. music's always great. Yeah. yeah. This is just one that's, um, because I think it's ambitious, and they were trying to build on existing stuff, and but also kind of mature the storytelling, It's it's it stumbles here and there. And it, it yeah. maybe makes for not quite the, like, it doesn't make for, like, the pure experience of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And, you know, it, it's, and that's, you know what? That's fine. That's totally yeah. fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> At least it's trying something new, I guess. And, yeah. You know. And when it works, it works really well. Like yeah. when 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 this movie is like w- clicking on all fronts, it's a blast. Yeah. 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 Man. Good times. So good. good times. All right, folks. Well, uh we'll see you all next week at uh Camp Crystal Lake in uh New Jersey, I think it's in New Jersey. <laughs> the floating location of Camp Crystal Lake. It's a boat ride from New York. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, until then, Will, always a pleasure. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Adios. Have a good night, folks. <laughs>